You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith Affair. We're joined by myself, Lawson. We have Brett in the studio as well, doing a fantastic job and getting it done this morning. Hey, Brett, give us our next quiz question. All right. So uh, question number four is, do not be deceived. Oh, sorry. I should should give some context. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, I might deceive people accidentally. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So this is a fill in the blank question. Ah, okay. We're looking for a Bible verse and we're going to fill in the missing word. So Mm. listen carefully. I'll read it twice. The verse says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man something, that he will also reap. Mm. Do we give away the Bible verse? Uh, yeah, give away the Bible All verse. All right, so you will find this one in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. I'll read mm. that verse again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man something, that he will also reap. Hey, if you know the answer to there, 0491-064-669. We have, for this week, our prize is the Wisdom of Solomon, which is essentially like mm. a, a building game. And you go through and you work together to build the temple and to build roads and establish institutions and do all this really cool stuff, which is really enjoyable. You're essentially governors working for King Solomon. Yeah. And you work together to do this stuff. I love board games. I think they're so fun. It's so fun to do, so fun to play. I, oh, dude, board games are just the best. I, I, I'm a little bit, though, do you, do you play lots of board games? Are you a board game guy? Oh, like, man, <laughs> a little bit. You, I'm a big Monopoly fan. I'll get to fan. you in a little bit, Shell. We, we, we know where you're at. Okay. Monopoly fan. It's, it's that sort of thing that's amazing when you're winning and destroys families when you're not. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> I do like Monopoly. But otherwise, not a huge board game player. I do enjoy uh, them in, in theory, though. Yeah, I, I I enjoy them in spurts, too. I'm more of a... I'm a short board game guy. I'm like anything where it's like a game can be done in less than 30 minutes and it's quick and... Mm going for the win. I, that's mostly because I'm a really competitive person. But this game actually kind of quells that because you work together. But it's still awesome. It's fun. Shell, do you have anything to say about board games and how much you enjoy them? Uh, I love holidays because, yeah, when, you're, yeah, when of course. we're with the family and doing all, all that sort of stuff, it's a lot of board games. Yeah, that's so <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, that's like our major time, you know, where we have lots of board games. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. I, I've just kind of been doing that. I was you know, down in Dinvine for summer camp over Christmas as well. Board games, playing board games, having a good time with board games. Hey, if you want to have a good time with board games, 0491-064-669. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man blank, that he will also reap. Fill in the blank. Wisdom of Solomon does not include the 800 wives and or concubines because that was the lack of wisdom. Amen. Amen. Uh, (laughs) You're not helping him do those things. (laughs) That's so good. That's so funny. Hey, we've got lots of answers coming through. Good on you guys. You guys have been a little bit quiet on the comments this morning we do have one here we have a couple we've got one here uh, saying uh, well this, this is a person i have no idea who they are but they say great miss you guys being on air that's right we are back back into live radio back into the live show so yeah you're just getting it done here on the breakfast show as well we've got Braden who texts in this he says the world is and has been primed for conflict the media and the world leaders have been pushing an us and them narrative which has led to division and polarization in Mm. this it's pretty clear uh, how the final conflict is so close to starting and how easily people will turn against God's people. Yeah, the pieces of that prophetic puzzle are definitely falling into place, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think mm. it's interesting to see that it's 
it, it's interesting when you when you say there, Braden, and, and when we read there, like the the concept that it will turn against God's people, and I think I really believe we were just reflecting on this a little bit in the in the break that that movement will be coming from a side of politics likely uh, that is popularist, and popularist is very you know uh, well very much being used now in the in the right hand side of politics, mm. which does seem more. Uh, traditional, more conservative, which leans more towards Christianity. And I, I think I, I read this in Revelation 13. I, I read this, which which gives me some insight, I think. It says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw the beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, ten on his you know, uh, ten on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Uh, and it goes through and describes the beast here. But then it says, and, and this beast, by the way, in Revelation 13, isn't a literal beast coming out of the sea, but this is mm. talking rather that the emergence of end-time powers, mm. essentially, and, and the final superpowers that will, that will dictate what the world will look like and ultimately be on the side of Satan. And it will be the last, the last force that will try to lead people astray before Jesus comes back. And it's so interesting that it says this in verse four of revelation 13, it says, so they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. Now the dragon is Satan and it says they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. So through the beast, they end up worshiping the dragon. Look at what they say. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? And now the Bible says that all the world gathered together to do this. We see a great endorsement by the majority of the population of the world of this beast. And it's interesting in, in commentary about these, these, the beast or about the antichrist and what that looks like. You know, people have pointed to Russia and China and said, Oh, look at these deep state communist nations, USSR, whatever it may be, or Saddam Hussein or, or, you know, whoever, look at these, you know, deep state communist organizations or terrorist groups or whatever it may be. Oh, they must be the ones working against God. And I think very much they are definitely bastions of evil. Mm. But the reason I would disclude them uh, or not include them in, in being a part of the conversation of the beast that it's talking about here or the end time powers that are working against God, you know, the, the last representative is because those nations are very not, are very much not endorsed by the people. Mm. Uh, now, you could say like, oh, well, neither is, is the United States. But what we're seeing in, in America at the moment is with, with Trump and a rise in popularism, mm. um, people getting on board with the movements, you know, the, the, the political movements that are, that are there is, mm. yeah, we're, we're not seeing uh, uh, this beast that, you know, is just controlling everyone against its will. Rather, mm. it has the whole world on side. Yeah. And then with that, you know, the, the having the world on side and with having that popularity mm. through that can then make the decision that, hey, we're going to persecute God's true yeah. people. Well, the idea even of a beast rising out of the sea, you know, the US was, when it was founded, really this backwater colony that was in rebellion and it's become an unparalleled world superpower. Yeah. Like we have, there's often talk about how China's close to it. But economically, China's GDP, I believe, is a quarter of the U.S.'s, mm. even now, and it's number two. Yeah, that's you right. Know, so the U.S. is far and away more powerful than anybody at the moment. And um, it's certainly pretty famous. Like, I, I admit I haven't been to the USA, but it's pretty famous for its patriotism, let's be honest. Yeah, that's like, right. there's, there's a lot of USA and a lot of, 
you know, and that does seem to be an endorsement almost, or not quite a worship as such, but it could certainly go towards a worship of the nation. Right? Oh, dude. And that's because, like, the narrative of the United States. Like, it, I, I've, I, I've probably talked about it here on radio. I've, I talk about it all the time with my friends from the U.S. Like, the, the song itself and the story of the United States national anthem, like, it is the national anthem that makes me cry. Like, over the Australia, I am a very patriot, patriotic Australian, but the U.S. national, like, the, the, the narrative that's there, the land mm. of the free, the home of the brave, yeah. you know, a, a bastion of freedom. Yeah. yeah. And, again, that is a very popular, you know, take. That's a very, a very inviting thing to be a part of. Like, it, the narrative of China is, hey, yeah, we have all this history and we're this huge power and mm. also we want to put you on in a social credit system <laughs> and control all of it's you. It's very collectivist, and, right? It's not individualistic. That, that's but, right. And yeah. so you look at something like that and it's, ooh, it's immediate touchiness, whereas the United States, just from a narrative perspective, again, it's mm. can be a part of the, the people who are free. And, yeah. and But ultimately, we see there that that Satan will use these great superpowers mm. to, th- through the perceived freedom that they offer, mm. will ultimately to specifically people who are endeavoring to follow God, will bring very much restriction against yeah. them. That's why we've got to be careful when we're looking at the gospel, right? That's like, right. The idea is that um, the gospel is different. It's not left wing politics that yes. sums up the gospel. It's not right wing politics that yes. sums up the gospel. We've got to stay true to that, no matter where the social current is leading yeah. us. There is no political nation, there is no side of politics that will accurately represent those who have given their heart to Christ because it really is, it's it's not found in political movements, it's found in your own conversion, in your heart, your willingness to fall before God and submit and surrender to Him. And so that's very much reflecting on all these events, reflecting on the very in-depth and detailed things the Bible says and the events that are happening in the world as a result. It's like, wow, like this, it's deep, but if we can derive one message from it, it's what, what should we do? Where should we stand? Should we go to war? Should we do this? Should we do that? And what God is wanting from you first and foremost is to fall before him and give your heart to him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. Now, reflecting on a little bit, speaking about uh, God and his work in us, we're going to continue on the Psalms, which we have been covering so far in our lesson, in our 20 million movement. We've been looking at the Psalms, how to read them, what they're about. Particularly last week, we looked at how it is that the Psalm reflects the sovereignty of God, how this, the Psalms show that God he reigns, he's in control, and now here at Faith FM, we did stipulate that we are also not Calvinist, uh, we, we're not, we don't believe in predestination, but that being said, that does not stop God from being God, mm. and the reality of the situation is, as much as God allows freedom of choice and the ability for people to either choose a fate following him or choose a fate not following him, which, by the way, needs to take place. If that choice does not exist and that the power to choose that isn't within the scope of the human experience, then love simply doesn't exist. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's amazing. God is in control, not in the sense that he's like a puppet master dictating every action and thought, but in the sense that he has a plan. 
Mm. He's got a, he's got a way through this mess that we have put ourselves into as mm. sinful human beings. Absolutely, I love yeah. that. He's he's got a way. Like he truly acts as a father. Like mm. he allows us to make our decisions, but then furthermore, like God's outcomes will be will be met. And God is in the right to enable that. Is in is in a position. He has the right to enable that to happen because he is the creator. Yeah. Absolutely. And not only is he the creator, but he also has the best intentions. Like, what does God want? I want all of humanity. This is, this is God. It, you know, this is what the Bible says. You know, first Timothy chapter two, God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God is like, I want people to stop dying. I want people to be saved. I want people, I want, like, I want death to cease. I want people to be saved. I want like contentment and happiness and true glory to be a part of the human experience again, rather than death, pain, suffering, and sin. Like, this is what God is offering, which is true. God is offering true freedom. We're, we're talking about the restriction of freedom within, you know, within uh, these movements at the end of time. And, and, and it's like the, the, the freedom that God is offering is one that is real because it's freedom from sin. Yeah. Well, I think true freedom in sin is terrifying, oh. right? Like, I, I used to have a, a co-worker many years ago when I was a teacher who... um who was an anarchist. Mm. And um, we used to have debates about that as a political mm. philosophy because I was sort of I would always say that it's really quite terrifying because when you mm. think about everybody doing what they want to do, when human desire can sometimes be pretty perverse, you know, there mm. can be some dark sides to humanity. I think it'd be a terrifying place to live. Yeah. Instead of be trying to look for their own safety and like lock the doors and Absolutely. you know if someone wants to steal something then great, there's no law enforcement, you know, mm. or you know all sorts of things. Um yeah, God God's plan of giving us freedom from sin. Yeah. And freedom to exist alongside him and spend eternity with him will be the greatest and safest and most beautiful freedom we can imagine. Even yeah. freedom from our own perverse desires and our own, yeah, our own sins. It's a yeah. powerful thought. Absolutely. And so God, he reigns, giving us the ability or giving humanity the ability to choose that outcome is like one of the greatest things that he does as the sovereign king of the universe that and it also represents you know when the bible says that christ humbled himself you know coming down not being in the form of god you know doesn't call it robbery to 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 call himself of god but now has come in the form of men Mm. has come down to the realm of men has dwelt with men and then furthermore died for men Uh, it's that we see the love of God in and the sovereignty of God. I, I think this is powerful. Like God is so powerful. God is so sovereign that he can personally make a decision to become human, live as a human, die as a human, uh, partake in the human experience, and then furthermore represent humanity for the rest of eternity. Like that is a decision that God made and uh, something that definitely Satan wasn't expecting. Uh, but, you know, Again, the wisdom of of God—it's foolishness to the world, um, but it is far far above uh, what we can think or comprehend or understand. Now, it's beautiful. God has done this; He's done this work of salvation that He has yeah. offered to humanity, and we're actually going to be diving into that this week as the topic of our Bible study. The overarching topic is the Lord hears and delivers. That's what we're going to be looking at. The Lord hears and delivers. And we're going to be seeing that throughout the Psalms. You know, we've, we've been talking in a very overarching sense of the great controversy between good and evil and Bible prophecy. And now we're going to narrow our focus specifically to looking at the Psalms and yeah. what the Psalms says and how the Psalms throughout these stories of these people's life, whether it's David or Solomon or Asaph or, or many of the Psalmists, we're going to be seeing this theme come out drastically we're going to see see a very prolific this idea that god hears his people and he 
delivers them. Let's start with our key text, actually, for this week. Psalm chapter 34. And if you want to pick it up in verse 17 for us, Psalm 34 and verse 17. If you can get that for us, Brett, please. Psalm 34, verse 17. It says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Oh, so it, it, it makes it clear there. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. Which is, it's, it's a beautiful message here, the, the righteous cry out. I, want to, I just want to reflect a little bit on that idea. The righteous cry out. Now, if we look in uh, various places in the Bible, you know, when the, when the Bible says, for example, like, can a leopard change, can a, can a, can a leopard change its spots? Or, you know, can an Ethiopian change his skin? Mm. How are you who are accustomed to do evil, uh, you know, change? How, how are you who are accustomed to do evil do good? Furthermore, when the Bible says, you know, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm. And furthermore, when it says the, the righteousness of man is like filthy rags. Mm. You know, these, this is the comments that the Bible has about humanity. Yet, uh, we have here David asserting and saying here in the Psalm 34 and verse 17, he says, the, the righteous cry out mm. and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. How can one be counted as righteous when we are steeped in such unrighteousness? Courtesy of God's grace. Wow. At the end of the day, Jesus died for us. Mm. And as a result, um, because of his sacrifice, his grace, his power, we have the potential to be saved. Our righteousness is decided by our justification, not wow. by our works, not by our acts. I love that. Our righteousness mm. is decided by our justification. Now, justification there for those who are unfamiliar with the word is simply just a stating the fact or, or making plain the fact that when we come to God, mm. when we come to God and say, God, I want to be saved mm. from my sin, justification is his act of saving us. Yeah. And I've heard it said like this, justification is the work of an instant. Mm. Saint, we, we, the, the next step after that is sanctification, which is yeah. the idea of God working in our hearts, you know, changing us to overcome mm. sin, which is the very much the, the important next step mm. and needs to take place. God is wanting to do a work in you. He is wanting to change you. And that's beautiful as well because God yeah. doesn't leave us as we are. He makes us more than we are, which is beautiful. But justification, the sanctification, work of a lifetime. Mm. Justification, work of of an instant. Yes, and that's the beauty of Christianity in many ways, that mm. we, wherever we are in our lives, we can come to God mm. with repentance in our heart and find that salvation like straight away, that's like right. that. However, you know, in, in sanctification, that's a result of our relationship with God, right? Mm. That's a result of our, us wanting to grow and grow because our Lord has saved us in our gratitude to him. Mm. We grow more like him. We want to follow his law. We want to do all these things. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that's what it means when it's saying the righteous... Um, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Interestingly, I've heard this verse used before mm. to by like prosperity gospel types ah. who say, oh, well, if you're not delivered from all your troubles, you must not be righteous enough. <laughs> you see, it, it kind of reverses the whole thing. But what I like too is there's the implication that actually the righteous will go through troubles. Yes. You know, people who are following God are not spared from a life of troubles. Mm. Um, but God does promise us deliverance, whether that deliverance occurs yeah, in this beautiful. life or in eternity with Jesus. Yeah, is absolutely. a different point. But certainly the Lord, I've been, I've, I'm sure I could speak for you as well, Lawson, sure. and I can say we've both been through experiences where we have 
been through these trials and God has delivered us. Mm. But that doesn't mean the trials will cease. And it doesn't mean that we're not righteous if we have trials. Yeah. yeah. My mind goes to Abraham. Because mm. if anyone can be say I was called righteous by God, it's actually literally Abraham. The yeah. Bible calls him <laughs> righteousness and r- righteous. And, and what's so amazing about Abraham's story, reflecting on that, is that Abraham he makes a number of mistakes. He has a has, has a number of difficult moments in his life where he has self inflicted troubles come upon him and finds a way through with God's help. But it's amazing. You read that passage. It's it's uh, you know Genesis twelve, Genesis fifteen. These these times where he received the covenant and the Bible says clearly Abraham believed he made he makes this choice to believe and it was accounted to him for righteousness when we think about who is righteous it's those who are justified who make that decision in that moment in that instant Mm. God saves them and turns them from unrighteous to righteousness through the power of his grace and through the power of Christ you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith FM positively different we're going to get into it, Psalm 139 in just a little bit. But before we do, we're going to have our final quiz question for today. If you can give that for us, Brett. Yeah, so the last question is, in what book of the Bible do we learn there is a time for everything? Ah. So there's a, there's a book where there's a lot of, there's a time for something and there's a time for something else. Mm-hmm. In what book of the Bible do we learn there is a time for everything? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. A prize for this week as well, the Wisdom of Solomon. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of relating to the question there. Mm. Hey, the Wisdom mm. of Solomon, the, the board game that we are giving away is a prize. Again, that number, 0491-064-669. In what book of the Bible did we learn that there is a time for everything? Got a text coming in from another, another text from Braden. He says, mm. come on now, Lawson. The New Zealand national anthem is so much better than the U.S. They are even on uh, they are even one of the few that to still reference god okay f- few things the new zealand national anthem i gotta say is fantastic yeah i gotta say i i hadn't heard it i googled it seeing Braden's comment and um i gotta say he's convinced me he's absolutely convinced oh you're me. convinced the lyrics are really good so i'm convinced that the new zealand national anthem is far better than the australian national anthem that pains me to say as a mm. patriotic australian but like the new zealand national anthem is Fantastic! It, I always tell this story whenever I talk about the New Zealand national anthem. Is I was at Anzac Day. Obviously, like Anzac Day in Australia, we're often uh, celebrating the Australians. Yeah. But this one Anzac Day that I went to, they brought in a group of New Zealanders, like these the this this Islander family, and they talked nice. about their family's history in the war. I was like, this is awesome! And they got up and they sung the New Zealand national anthem. Now, mm-hmm. what had come before this is the Australian national anthem, which was sung by a group of like local year nine students and not to like judge them harshly or anything, but I think that what really reflected to me through their performance of a few different hymns and songs was the secularization of Australian culture, because these people are struggling a little bit with the singing and, and that those struggles don't happen in context where everyone goes to church Ooh, because, because everyone is just like a pro, but that I could just hear, I'm like, Oh, as, as a musician, I was like, okay, they're, they're struggling a little bit, but then this New Zealand family gets up They've got the son on the guitar, the sisters doing harmonies, the men singing the melody. I was like, oh, dude. And they sung the New Zealand National Anthem, which is titled, by the way, God Defend New Zealand. Yeah. And I was I was like, this is 
powerful. Like, this is, like, the best thing I've ever seen. This is by far... These guys carried Anzac Day. It, it was it was really, really awesome. So, shout out, shout out New Zealanders. Shout out your national anthem, which is great. You know, as much as I make fun of New Zealanders, you have a beautiful country, and yeah. and you have a beautiful national anthem. It's just a real shame about the people. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking around. Can, can I read the th- part of the third verse? Go, go on. It's, it's so yeah, good. go for it. Um, men of every creed and race, gather here before thy face, asking thee to bless this place. God defend our free land from dissension, envy, hate, and corruption. Guard our state. Make our country good and great. God defend New Zealand. How good would it be if we had countries that all acted that way, right? Yeah. Like, we're praying to get rid of corruption. We're putting yeah. God I don't, I'm not saying New Zealand is working that way. Maybe like most Western secular nations, it's, That's right. it's fallen short of that ideal. But yeah. that is a cool national anthem. It, dude, it's so good. So thanks good. for putting that out, Braden. Hey, if you're New Zealand and you want to state your claim, or maybe you're from another country and you're just like, nah, our national anthem's better. Hey, let us know. 0491 <laughs> is the number to text. You're listening to The Breakfast Show and we're going to pick it up again in Psalm 139 this time. This is a powerful psalm and i i don't know if i want to read like all of it there's 24 verses i want to focus particularly on verse 7 to verse 12 this is this is a beautiful set uh, section of this psalm actually maybe we'll start in verse 1 let's go verse 1 to 6 to begin and then verse 7 to verse 12 after that so get it for us if you can get that uh, brett verse 1 to verse 6 of psalm 139 excellent Uh, So it says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Mm. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you're. He knows when you've been bad or good. Uh, but he's not Santa because that guy's creepy. No, God, God knows. Yeah, I, I really love the honesty that David has in this psalm. And if anyone who understands that God knows everything, it's mm. David. It would be David who would be confronted with his own sin a year after he committed it. You know, the sin of adultery mm. and murder, and not not only just adultery, but pretty much like rape as well yeah. just just awful david come came to understand that god knew who he was in the most intimate sense like yeah. god doesn't not only know his name god yeah like we we know people uh we say oh yeah he's a good friend of mine but like and i i can say this because i know that even my close friends i'm like okay there, there are things that they don't know about me and i think maybe you have a, a spouse, you know, you've got a spouse, Brett, yeah. and your, your spouse, you know, they, they literally, they sleep in the same bed with you. They, you know, you have, you live in the same house, raise kids together. And there's man, intimate knowledge of each other mm. and how much of a process you, you could probably attest to that's being from when you first started dating to the yeah. engagement well, to then. I think the entire process of a marriage is getting to know each other. Yeah. And I think in some ways, not that you're trying to hide anything, but you're still learning about who each other are and mm. stuff for, for your entire marriage experience. It's Absolutely. not like you get to a point of it's not like you become a black belt in marriage you know yeah. you don't get you don't get to a point of like mastery yeah but um yeah there is this 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 beautiful intimacy in the way that you know each other mm. and um i think that's even truer of god because he knows the things about us that we don't know about ourselves mm. like even um even with david um mm. when that pro- the prophet calls out to him and um, calls him out essentially for his actions with Uriah and Bathsheba and all that stuff mm. by that story he's like wow that guy's awful go get rid of him and then yeah. that man is you yeah 
Like, like that must have hit hard. Yeah. Because um, David didn't even seem aware of just how egregiously awful his acts were. You yeah. Know? But God knew. And God, God made knew. sure to communicate that, that to him. Yeah. God knew the intents of the heart. God knew, God knew the intents of David's heart. And he, he knows us before we even speak. And yeah. I think what is beautiful about that is that God knows our failures so intimately as well. He knows our falling short as well. And as we've been discussing and as we've been coming to conclusions on, like, despite this, God extends such grace. Mm. And then we get into this next section here. If you want to pick it up in verse 7 for us, uh, because, like, this is, it's like, okay, God knows us, okay? Yep. God knows everything about us. But then what is his response? Where can I seven? go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Oh, like, we we see here, it's despite God's complete knowledge of you, which is kind of terrifying in a sense, mm. he knows the depths of who you are, but furthermore, the depths of your failures and your sins. Mm. His right hand is reaching out to grab yours. Like he, he's wanting to lead. He's wanting to hold even in the, in the darkest of places. Like surely the darkness shall fall on me. This is what, you know, David is saying of himself. If I say surely the darkness has fallen on me, like there's no way that light can penetrate this area. God yeah. is still there. He's, God is still there. God is still working. Actually, continue to read here. Verse 13 to verse 16 for hmm. us if you get that prep. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Mm. You know, I, I think this is interesting here. We were uh, reflecting on the, the, the abortion conversation earlier. Yeah. And we see here, and, and I think this very much adds to why we are, we would say we're, we're pro-life because yeah. God, it's God who's forming us. It's, yes. It is God who's working through us. It's God who knows us. Who, it's God who knows our end from our beginning. It's God who knows and understands our failures, but is very much working on our side to lead us and to bless us. And- You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM positively different and we are going to get into some answers for the quiz this morning we've been giving you all questions now we just have answers pick that up for us yeah let's do it so number one how many plagues did god send to egypt the answer is 10 that's right it wasn't 11 it wasn't nine it was 10 plagues yeah. and it's pretty sure everyone who texted in got that right too. yeah that's it's right i think yeah it's pretty famous pretty famous story i mean the, i don't think there's any other influence there of like it could have been 12 or it could have been yeah. 15 it was it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty well 10 you yeah. could get confused with the seven last plagues but ah yeah. true but true. but the, the, that's like very very different re- time period to, to, if you're yeah. thinking oh plagues what are the plagues, plagues seven yeah, yeah. But yeah you've got 10 plagues in egypt yeah mm, absolutely what was the first prophecy um and we had the options a the end of the age b victory over satan and the seed of the woman c the second coming of christ and d the destruction of the temple the answer was b yeah victory, victory over, over satan, satan. Uh, of the seed of the woman, and that's Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 and this is our well the first bible prophecy and the first 
messianic prophecy essentially and you and you read that and it's like oh you you'll there'll be division between he's talking to satan he mm. says there'll be division between you and the woman and then all of a sudden this male pronoun comes out of nowhere and it's like and he will trample on your head and you'll bite yeah. his heel and it's like wait what and this is the first bible prophecy about well the first messianic bible prophecy about mm. jesus destroying and crushing Satan and mm. destroying sin. And yeah. there's powerful stuff there. And, and uh, yeah, I was actually down in Jindabai and preaching at the summer camp. And we were talking a little bit about, about prophecy. And we're talking about, oh, well, why did Jesus come? You know, why did Jesus come? And we, we, we went there and we went to Genesis 3.15. And it was like, oh, Jesus, the, the theme was chosen one. And it was like from the yeah. beginning, as soon as there was sin, and even before sin, the Bible says from the foundation of the world, but mm. as soon as there was sin, you know, God had enacted a plan. He had chosen himself. He had just chosen Jesus come down and to save us from our sins. Yeah, amen. Yeah, uh, well, question three was, where did Jesus turn water into wine? The answer was Cana. Yeah, the wedding of Cana, Jesus' first miracle here, uh, which comes after the time of his baptism. And it's a beautiful story of Jesus helping some local people, but it would very much be, yeah, the beginning of his work. Yeah. Uh, When he would come into his own, in in a sense, you know, into from, from this point forward, he is very much, he's, he's given out carpentry and, uh, you know, yeah, he, he, he's going to yeah. work to save people. A humble beginning in some ways, but also indicative of what he went on to do because mm. he was there ultimately to serve the people. Mm. You know, he was there, he, was, he, he came as a servant leader. Yeah. And, you know, like that, that small miracle started that evidence of his character, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's also the wedding in, in Cana, and it's that period and that chapter of the Bible which gives us some ideas. It, it very much gives us a contextual and a historical um, foundation of where Jesus was at and where he came from, not only from being in Cana, but we read later in that chapter in John chapter 2. It talks about him doing that work in the 46th year of the temple's construction and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And we, we it, because of that miracle and the, this this story, we can actually it's it was instrumental in being able to uh to historically place Jesus in yeah. the, the timeline of, of where he is. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um all right. Uh the next question was uh the fill in the blanks one, which said, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Mm. So the word was sows in, in Galatians six seven. Six seven, yeah. Yep. If whatever you sow, you reap. You make yeah. your bed, you sleep in it. Pretty, pretty simple, you know, sim- simple uh, wisdom that, that Paul is, is sharing here. And speaking of wisdom, our last quiz question here. Yeah. In what book of the Bible do we learn there is a time for everything? The answer was Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Awesome. So it's it's Solomon, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, of course, our prize for this week. Wisdom, Wisdom of, Solomon, of Solomon, helping Solomon build a kingdom. But yeah. not only would Solomon build an amazing kingdom, an amazing temple, and it really represented his time was the golden age of mm. Israel, but also it would be Solomon who would give us some very foundational truths in yeah. the Bible with the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Proverbs. Uh, he would write things that were very influential and very ahead of his time but also yeah. quite profound and and simple as well what's well, a hope that you'll win some wisdom of solomon from reading ecclesiastes yeah. just as much as you win the board game that's right Best only one person can win the board game but <laughs> everyone can go and read ecclesiastes and get Everyone's some a winner. wisdom as well hey got a uh, text message coming in from simon he, he said great discussion today thanks simon and we have come to the end of the show this morning. Yeah, we we we've, we've the time has flown. Mm. We we were, we were doing the our study through Psalms and we we're like, man, 
We should have more time to talk about yeah. this. This is just it was it was powerful. But we got we are going to have more time throughout this week. Thank you for joining us this morning, guys. And there's more amazing programming coming up right throughout the day. And obviously, Brett, thank you for joining us as Absolute well pleasure. today. Hey, we come to the end of the show, and always we don't ask any questions, but rather we ask you to race to the phone because we give away a prize absolutely for free. And right now I have before me the book Penny Pinching Principles for Money Wise Parents. 31 daily tips to better your child's financial future. God wants us to be wise. So, you know, we're talking about like the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon, in, in particularly the book of Proverbs and throughout the Bible as well, there is a number of financial, there's, there's a fair, fair bit of financial advice given, you know, they're, they're, because there are good principles that we should receive on how to use our money. It, it is hugely important. In fact, money is the, one of the most talked about topics in both the Old and the New Testament, but particularly in the New Testament. Yeah. Money is a very, very uh, important topic that comes up. And because it, it is, man, as, as, as they say, money makes the world go round. And, and, but we need to have a correct perspective, a godly perspective, and that's what this is all about. And this is specifically for parents as well, trying to help their kids to get some perspective on how it is that they should you know, use money and, and, uh, and, and think about money. Hey, 0491-064-669, be the first caller through. But hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And remember to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.